Well, we're in the second week of our series called I Quit. And as a church, we are kind of looking at different uh, activities, different things in our life that we might think are normal, but that are destructive. Things that we can say I quit to as we uh, launch kind of this fall with some new habits. Uh, We've all played hide and seek before, right? Everybody's played hide and seek. You play it the first time, like when you're a little baby, um, because peekaboo is basically a form of hide and seek. And then as you get older, um, you know, like you're really young, you're not very good. You get older, you start to get more clever and you kind of come up with some better places to hide. I saw this this week, thought this was a great place to hide. Start, long, start young, learn about camouflage, right? That was pretty amazing. Um, as kids get older, they get smarter and wiser and find better places to hide. As adults, we stop playing hide and seek. We just play hide, don't we? We just play hide. A lot of us have become good at hiding. We hide who we really are. We hide our true feelings, our hopes, our dreams, our pain and suffering. We hide our doubts and concerns. We hide our fears. And on it goes. Lots of things that we hide, and we've gotten pretty good at it. And lots of ways that we hide, too. Sometimes we hide in our competencies, you know, things that we're really good at, or our role, our profession. Like, I can't get close to you. I'm the leader. I'm the boss. I'm the teacher, whatever that is. Some people use humor as a way to hide, just sort of the classic diversion method. You know, uh, you know nothing diffuses conflict like humor, or just kind of, you know, gets, gets people to not get too close to you. Some of us hide by numbing out. We eat too much, drink too much, while surf websites we shouldn't spend hours on social media or playing games because it gives us that little shot of pleasure or interest and it covers up the hurt and the loneliness and the fear. Just kind of, if we can numb those feelings, we, we can kind of hide. Sometimes we hide in our busyness. We talked about that a little bit last week. We just get busy. I'm too busy. You know, I don't have time for those uh, close relationships. Can't get close to folks. Why is it that we hide as people? What is it that, that drives us to do that? Why can't we just be more authentic and open and free and, and transparent with one another? See, deep down in every human heart, there's this need, this innate need to feel accepted and, and to be loved. Everybody's got that need, whether you want to admit it or not. I want to be respected and, and be loved and to belong. But to get there and to achieve that, we kind of often will pretend, we'll, we'll wear masks, we put up these elaborate facades. You guys all know what a facade is, right? Um, my very first sermon I gave, I was a junior in high school, and it was the first Sunday night service. Uh, and Sunday night services, if, if you remember, uh, they were kind of the JV service, you know, where it's like uh, you didn't have the pastor preaching, you had the associate pastor. And uh, the special music was a little more special. And uh, we, for, we had this youth night, and our youth pastor asked uh, myself and one other of the, the students to do little like devotional meditation sermon things. And so Kevin Clark, my friend, get, gets up, and he does like a little five to seven minute kind of a deal. And I get up, and I thought, you know, like more of the main sermon. Mine was 45 minutes long, and it had 12 main points. Okay, and so yeah, so I've only got 11 points today, a little bit short. But I, re- I just remember two comments in particular after the service. First of all, I, this one older lady, she comes up, she goes, you're going to make a great preacher someday. And I'm like, no, I'm never going to be a pastor. No, I do not want to do that. Whatever happens, not going not gonna to be a preacher any day. Um, and the other, the other comment I had was um, from a lady, she's, well, um, or a, a guy, I think he told me that I mispronounced the word facade. I pronounced it facade. 
You know, so I talked about putting up facades. Well, I didn't, I never heard it before. And my, my first thought was like, okay, 45 minutes, that's what you got out of the message. My other thought was, oh man, I'm so embarrassed. You know, like, oh, I don't want, I don't want people to think less of me. I don't, you know, it's like, I'm going to be the sophisticated junior in high school doing the sermon, you know, like, like, yeah, because uh, you don't want to look bad. You don't want to look bad. We, we don't want to look bad physically. Like we, we'll dress nice and, and uh, you know, women put on makeup and guys, you know, especially if you're getting your picture taken, suck in the gut a little bit, you know, just kind of like, you want to look good. Hiding and impression management, you know, they just kind of become automatic, sort of, sort of second nature. I was out running and uh, had done a couple miles and was sort of like dogging it a little bit, just going a little slow. And I see a car coming. So, you know, so I'm going like, oh, you know, I'm just like going really good. Hey, you know, and like, and I don't even know them. Like, what is the deal? I'm like trying to impress people. I don't even know. But we don't just want to look good physically. We want to look good, you know, as people inside. We, we, so we don't want to be like vulnerable emotionally or spiritually. We don't want anybody to see our weaknesses because there's aspects of ourselves that will show other people and other aspects like, you know, we don't. We're, we're insecure about them or we're ashamed of it. And deep down the issue is like we're afraid if people will know who we really are, we'll get rejected. We won't be respected, definitely won't be accepted. So we just hide. We just kind of like put up these barriers, these facades, these masks. And that temptation, that desire to hide, that's not a new thing. It goes way, way, way back. In fact, it goes way back to the beginning of Genesis. God creates everything, including like human beings, the glory of his creation, men and women. A man and a woman, he gives them this Garden of Eden. He's like, hey, do whatever you want. It's all for you. Boom. One simple instruction. Just one thing. Okay? Just one thing you can't do. Don't eat from that one tree. Okay? Because it's like, I got to give you a choice because that's what true love is. You have to have a choice. Uh, without Love's not love without a choice. So I want you to choose to trust me. Choose, you know, that uh, believing I know what's best. So just don't eat that one tree. You're demonstrating you trust me. And we all know the story. The serpent comes to Eve, talks her into eating the fruit. And we pick up the story in verse 6. It says, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and she ate it. And she gave some of it to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They have this sudden awareness of themselves and this need to cover up. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And what once had been this, this beautiful, close, intimate connection with God now gets filled with fear and shame and distrust, and protective measures are enacted, and everything changes, and we still live with those effects today. Pastor John Eldridge uh, writes a lot about this, he, this whole hiding deal. He notes that men especially, like we're especially prone to this, he says that most of what you encounter when you meet a man is a facade, an elaborate fig leaf, a brilliant disguise. How much of what people encounter when they encounter you is an elaborate disguise. Of course, that's not just men. There's lots of ways we all put on those fig leaves in our lives. A couple of observations. First, it all it makes sense, right? 
Hiding is actually a kind of natural response. It's a protective action that we have. When Adam responds to God, he's not saying, oh, I just hid for no reason. I just thought, no, oh, play hide and seek. No, he's saying, I was naked. I was naked, so I hid. Adam and Eve suddenly feel vulnerable and, and exposed and open. And when we feel like that, there's this natural inclination to cover up and protect ourselves. And we all do it. We cover up parts of ourselves that look bad, figuratively and literally. Those things that we're ashamed of or, or places we're afraid of judgment or ridicule. And especially true if you've ever experienced like bad things firsthand from people, you know? Like every time we get hurt by someone or experience pain or conflict in a relationship or we feel shame, hey, it sends us to, in search of a hiding place. And we've all had that experience. I know I've got this little fear generator in me. Like if somebody gives me like a sideways look, you know, or this stray comment, or I get ignored or dismissed, it all becomes about me. And I'm like, oh, what did I do? You know, what, 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 what don't they like about me? What did I do wrong? What happened? I don't know if you've ever uh, seen the comedian Jim Gaffigan. Anybody Jim Gaffigan fans? Uh, he's re really funny. He's got this whole bit about hotel rooms, which uh, he says, you know, when you're in a hotel room and somebody knocks at the door, it's always a little weird, right? Because it's like, well, who knows I'm here? I'm in a hotel. And so what do you do? You go to look, you go to the door and you look through that little peephole. He says, honestly, who doesn't look like a serial killer when you look through the little peephole in the door? Right? It's very dangerous. You never know what's out there. Well, sometimes when my fear generator gets going, I begin to see everybody through that little peephole of fear. Everybody starts to look pretty scary. And I live in that hiding place. We hide. And here's the deal. Like hiding takes a toll on our lives. It's costing you and it's costing me and it's costing those around us. And the price is steep. Uh, researcher, author Brene Brown uh, has studied and written extensively on the topic of shame. And she says this, she says, if you trade your authenticity for safety, that's what we do when we hide, you may experience the following, anxiety, depression, eating disorders, addiction, rage, blame, resentment, and inexplicable grief. It's an awful list. And she's seen it all in her research. When we start to hide and we can't be authentic with who we are, that all comes out. We, we have to remember that safety, while protective, it comes at a cost. Now, not only are these negative consequences real, and some of you may have experienced them, but when we hide, we also miss out on living the rich, full life that God has for us because we shy away from risks and challenges that help us develop our character and our spiritual fortitude. And we miss out on authentic, life-giving relationships that make life awesome. We miss the chance to go deep and be deeply known by others. We live with unresolved conflict and frustration and what-ifs. Brene goes on to talk about the power of shame and how it just becomes this, mo this behavior that we live with every day. She says, when we can't recognize shame and understand our triggers, shame blindsides us. It washes over us and we start to slink away and hide. Our unwanted identities dictate our behavior every day. Our unwanted identities begin to dictate how we approach life and people. Our shame pushes us deeper into hiding. 
And we get so used to it, we don't even see it anymore. It just blindsides us. Begins to shape our behavior and our attitudes in ways that strain and eventually wreck our relationships. We get defensive and we have to, you know, kind of protect this carefully crafted facade, this fig leaf. The distance we maintain in hiding keeps us alone, protecting our safety. And it becomes part of this identity we don't even want. It's easy for everybody to hide, even pastors. It's easy for me to hide in my role and my persona instead of, you know, just like, oh, it's the Bible answer guy. And he knows, you know, just instead of just another broken and needy husband and father. What persona is driving you? What mask do you put on? And what is hiding costing you? How much energy are you burning right now just trying to pretend to be something that you're not, you know, to to be perfect or at least better, you know? How much energy are you burning in image management, trying to please people or keep the peace? Well, here's the good news. God wants you to quit. God wants us to quit. He's calling you out of your hiding. How does that work? Well, first of all, God comes looking for you. He comes looking for you. Go back to Adam and Eve for a second. I love God's response to Adam and Eve. Don't miss this. His very first response, first thing God says to to Adam is, where are you? Where are you? Now, God knows what happened. He's not like, oh, I I wasn't looking. You know, what happened? And if it were me, if I were God, be glad I'm not. But if I were, I would have come to him and I would have been like, hey, Adam. What's the deal? You think you're trying to hide from me? You can't hide from me. What's, what's the problem? Oh, I know what you did. Uh, you might as well admit, I know what you did. You ate from the one. T- I give you one, one thing to do. One thing to do. You know, I, that's how I would have gone after it. But God's response is so amazing. It's like, n- now we know Adam and Eve have consequences that come out of their sin. But for God to say, where are you? That's a relational question. It speaks to his heart. Where are you? Where are you? I, I miss you. I want to be with you. That's God's first response. I don't want you to miss that. I want to be with you. When you're hiding, God will seek you out. He does this all over the Bible. After the crucifixion, the disciples, they're all hiding out. Jesus rises. He comes to them, shows himself to them. One of them's not there, Thomas. So he shows up, shows himself to Thomas. Peter, he's out fishing, basically hiding in his competencies. Right? He go, Jesus shows up on the beach, cooks him breakfast. It's like, hey, Peter, I'm here. You can't hide. I'm going to be with you. God comes looking for you and you're hiding. You got to know that. Number two, God gives you a promise. God made you a promise. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in his letter to the Romans. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things that he's just gone through all of this stuff that God's done? If God's for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Here's what God wants you to know. He wants you to know no one can condemn you. You, No one gets to define your worth and your value but the God who chose you. Nobody. Who sits in that seat of condemnation? Nobody but Jesus. And guess what? He died because he loves you so much. No one gets to sit in that seat but him. 
That means no matter what happens, nothing eternally significant is at stake. Okay? Yeah, you're going to experience pain and difficulty in this world, and it's going to make you want to hide and protect yourself. But God's already got you covered. He's never going to let you fall so far that God's love cannot reach you. Paul goes on to make this promise even more incredible in Romans. He says, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, if I don't live with that kind of confidence, then everything is scary. And I can't take risks. But when I know God promises to be with me no matter what, the risks don't seem all that scary. A few years ago, Rosalie uh, got me a, um, I can't remember if it was a birthday present or Father's Day present, um, but she got me a present. She got me some tickets to go up north to uh, the North Shore Adventure Park up in Silver Bay. And they've got these zip lines and this high ropes course. Anybody been on a ropes course before? High ropes course? Yeah, okay. Well, um, if you're if you're able, you should try it sometime. It's pretty awesome. Those of you who did go out, uh, did you die? No, you're here. Did, did anybody die? No, no. It kind of feels like that. If you feel like you're going to die? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's pretty common because they're kind of designed to elicit those feelings. Plus, when you sign up, they make you sign this long waiver like, oh, if you die, you can't come back and sue us or whatever. You know, so it's like, yeah, it's kind of scary. Well, Rosalie doesn't do heights, and my two boys don't do heights. So I took a couple of our youth group students at the time. Uh, maybe you remember TJ and Tommy. We went up, and to go out on the ropes course, you got all the safety equipment, and you got to watch this instructional video, and, and they give you all these instructions, and, and then they got people that go out on the course in case you get in trouble, and you strap on all the gear, and you got gloves, and you head out with steely determination. But you get out on the course, and there's this little ladder not a big ladder. It's this little ladder and goes up and up and up and up. And uh, some of you guys are getting dizzy just like looking at the pictures, right? And, and it's this long way down and you go up and you're like, was well, this really such a good choice? You know, it seemed like good when we we're down there. Uh, and, and inside you might be feeling like, what have I done? It's the dumbest thing ever, you know? I'm out here, I'm going to die. Because that's how it feels. That's how it feels when you, you step out and you take a risk. Like, oh, you know, like, what was I thinking? And you want to find a place to hide? And that's a feeling we can all relate to on some level. And maybe it's not a ropes course. Maybe it's a relational situation where we, where we have to take a risk and just go, can I really share this? Can I really say this? How's this going to be received? What's the other person going to think or what are they going to do? And we feel a little terrified because we're like, oh, it's a long way down. And I just kind of want to get off of this course or this risk or just go somewhere safe. And it's in those moments that you got to know that you're held up. Okay? You can reach up and if you're on the ropes course, you can grab a hold of those straps that are holding you on and remember that you're clipped into this harness. And here's the thing. Even on a ropes course, you may fall. Okay? Uh, you're going to try some stuff that's really hard on this ropes course and you may fall off of that particular element, but you're not going to die. You're going to be okay because you got these straps holding you in and there's all these clips and you can never fall that far, a little bit. And here's the other thing. Like you come back afterwards oh, and you're a little sore and your muscles are, but you feel so alive because you're like, I just had an adventure. There's that satisfaction. That's where life is. Not hiding in safety, standing on the ground, wondering what it's going to be like to go up there. 
But the only way I'm going to go out on that course is if I know my protection is secure. The only way you're going to come out of hiding is if you know you're clipped in to the love of God and that you can never fall away from that love. God gives us another promise, another gift. That's the gift of community. See, along with all the equipment and all the instructions, there was another requirement to go out on the course. You don't go alone. You go with other people. You go with a buddy. You've got to have somebody out there with you, another person to encourage you. Things get scary to help keep you going and to remind you of things that you needed to know. We all, you know, we all need a lot of encouragement to come out of hiding. Supportive community helps stay out of hiding. It encourages us to live without fear. The disciples, they were always together. And then Jesus sent them out. He sent them out in pairs. Because it's much harder to hide when you're with others. And the disciples did some amazingly challenging things. Went door to door asking for help. They, they healed people spiritually and physically. And, and they didn't take a lot of stuff with them even. And if we're going to come out of hiding, we need that supportive community around us. Are you ready to quit hiding? Like knowing God, that God has what God has for you and he comes looking for you and you're clipped into his love and he has community for you? Are you ready to come out of hiding? Well, if you are, let me give you a couple concrete steps just as we wrap up here. A few things to think about as you begin to quit hiding. First one may seem obvious, but I just want you to invite, invite you to pray and ask God to reveal your hiding places. As Brene Brown says, you know, sometimes we've gotten so used to hiding, we don't even know we're hiding anymore. We've gotten so used to this false person that we've become, we don't even see it. Our methods and ways of hiding can be subtle and different, and it's easy to stay hidden because we become such good hiders. But if we invite God into that conversation, he's going to reveal things to you. Might be a picture or a message or a passage of scripture, part of a sermon, the observation of a trusted friend. God can use any of it to show you. What you do with it, that's up to you. But it's hard to do anything if you're not even aware of where you're hiding. So start with prayer. Start asking God. And then ask the people around you, am I hiding? Where do you see me hiding? Next thing is just simple and practical. Just take a step toward authentic community. Take a step. It's more difficult to hide, like we just said, when you're with people who want to know the real you, who really want to know you. An authentic community takes on different forms. You know, we've talked before about a uh, fully disclosing friend. You know, uh, different times there's people you can trust. You can just like be completely real with them. You lay it all out. Maybe it's a group or a place where you feel real safe. But it needs to be a place where people see you on a regular basis and they won't let you hide. Now, most churches have small groups. Most churches have small groups that meet together on a regular basis, every week, every other week, something like that, just to help people live in authentic community, a place to grow and live out our lives, learning and praying and serving together and caring for one another. We don't have that here yet. That's always been my prayer. Uh, if that's something you'd be interested in being a part of, use your communication card. Just jot down, hey, I'm, tell me more about a small group. You know, just do that. We'd love to get some started. Because I've always thought, you know, spiritual growth happens best in circles, not rows. One of the best things you can do if you want to come out of hiding.
be with a, another person or another group of people. Our youth group kind of have their own small group, and I'm so proud of them. Week after week, they show up, you know, to get to know one another and build connections with one another. That's a way uh, to begin to take a step toward authentic community. Third thing is we can help others come out of hiding. That helps us come out of hiding too. I got a friend with whom I get together pretty often and we'll ask each other how we're doing. And then a lot of times he'll just say to me, okay, but how are you really doing? It's like, ah, yeah, you know, it's like, and it's just funny how that little invitation, just creating that little space gives you the courage to be like, okay, I'll open up and share a little bit more. Tells me that they want to know my story and I can come out of hiding a little bit. I can open up to him and let him know what's really going on. It's always a gift. Do you have a friend like that? What if we're able to draw each other out of hiding? Imagine helping other people find the deep joy of being known. You can help build authentic community that loves and supports and calls out the best in each other with just one simple question. How are you doing, really? We can do that for each other. Doesn't that sound better than hiding? Remember, hiding and shame and hurt and all that stuff, that's all a result of sin. Back in Genesis, God asked Adam, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you should be ashamed? Who told you that you don't measure up? Who told you that you're not worthy of my love? Who told you you're broken beyond repair? How did you come to see yourself that way? How did you manage to get that message into your head? Where'd that come from? Because it didn't come from me. That message came from the deceiver. And if you've got that message in your head, it's not from God. He has a different message for you. He says, I'm going to show you a different picture. I'm going to show you that you matter, that you're my treasure. And I'm going to prove it so you can trust my words. My son, Jesus, will give his own life to make things right. He'll take that sin and that shame and those lies on his own life and he'll endure it all for your sake. They'll put him in a tomb and they'll try to hide him, but he won't stay hidden. He'll come out of that place looking for you and inviting you into his love and inviting you out of hiding and into life with him. And if you know that, are you ready to quit hiding? Are you ready to just say, I quit hiding? Would you stand with me as I close this in prayer? Jesus, we're so good at hiding. We don't even know it half the time that we're doing it. So I just ask you, God, to reveal to us those places that we need to pay attention to. Reveal our hiding places. Give us the courage to be real and to step out on that limb and take a risk. God, we're sick of living behind the walls of safety and security. We just want to embrace your promise to us and live the life that you've called us to live. We live in the hope, God, that as we come out of hiding, you're going to make something beautiful out of us. You'll take that authenticity, take that risk, and make something beautiful out of it. So we thank you, Jesus, for that promise. Give us wisdom to know how to do that now and the courage to do it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.